Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. to not just a sports report today going to be jumping straight into the nrl magic round power hour going through all eight games what a weekend it's been in brisbane as well everyone in the one place all eight games taking place at suncorp stadium in brisbane we've seen some brawls in the crowd we've seen some general uh i guess degenerate behavior throughout the weekend And yeah, it looks like shit is kicking off in Brisbane. Been a wonderful spectacle, though. The atmosphere has been on point. It's been a great, great weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, I wasn't up there, but Magic Round, a great success yet again. One of the premier fixtures of the entire season, at least in terms of rounds. And we had, like, yeah, the marquee game of the season, the Panthers up against the Melbourne Storm. I will get to that pretty shortly, but look, at the end of this episode, another thing I'll get to is the usual end of ep- act, uh, antics, like not speaking English properly. I'll jump through the ladder at the end of round 10. I will list my X-Factor player of Magic Round, the Rising Star nomination for this round, which look, if Selwyn Cobo hadn't already have been nominated, I would have definitely nominated Selwyn Cobo, but he has already received a nomination, so going to see what Rising Star gets nominated this episode. And if you'd like to see which rising stars have already been nominated in the first nine rounds, there's a post up on our Instagram page at Not Just a Sports Report with all the first nine nominations for the Rising Star Award to be handed out at the end of this season. There's also going to be the Tough Stuff Award for the Ford or the player who, yeah, really does the tough stuff, gets it done for their team in that regard. And of course, the cause for concern, the team giving me the most concerns when I'm looking at them in terms of the bigger picture of this entire season. Uh, So I'll get to that at the end of the episode. But first, let me get to all eight games. And there were concerns that Magic Round might not even go ahead in Brisbane with some very, very wild weather, lots of rain, but they've ended up making it work. I mean, on the Saturday, it made for some pretty epic scenes and visuals as well, seeing the likes of Nathan Cleary and Cam Munster and then the shots of the pouring rain and the big crowds behind them. So, look, the rain, it hasn't affected the play that much. I mean, maybe it did a little bit in the first game of the week, which we'll get to in a moment. In fact, let's just get to it now. It was the Spoon Bowl, 15th Dogs up against the 16th place Knights, with the Knights getting the win as well. So, look, I actually had a feeling this game wasn't quite going to be magic, I guess you could say. Dogs getting it done, I think it was 16 to 6 or 8 or something. I could have checked it. To be honest, this was the one game of the weekend I didn't watch. And judging by what a lot of people have been telling me, I didn't miss a great deal. So I've got JJ here with me, who does the NRL Weekly Preview Podcasts as well. And yeah, he actually saw the game. So I thought, JJ, why don't you give me and the listeners a little bit of a rundown on exactly what this game was like to watch. Yes, I did subject myself to this one. I'd actually bet on the Bulldogs, and unfortunately it was the Knights who got up 16-6 in this one. Pretty dour, pretty forgettable game, lots of errors. Uh, I was focusing a lot on the Bulldogs. They were 
pretty inept in attack. They didn't look like they were going to score a try. Adokar did crash over for one, but that I want to say the Knights were better, but not really by much. There was some good defense that was a little bit of a bright light in the game, but Knights on the day did, in quotation marks, outclass the Bulldogs with Edric Lee, Best, and Clune crashing over. But yeah, it was a it was a highly forgettable game. Definitely see why they put it in the first very first slot. Uh, not many, yeah. A, the missable slot as it were but it did shine a light on the Bulldogs more I think this is more um, shining a light on the Bulldogs and where they're at not much going in attack that's that's really what I took out of it there wasn't much else to take out of it um, yeah you didn't miss much Mick I can tell you that much and there was a lot more magic in some of the other games so we'll get onto those ones now okay well I'm glad I didn't watch then but look I still have taken some notes. I did think that Bradman Best played well from the highlights that I watched. It looks like Bradman Best starting to hit his stride a little bit. Uh, and look, checking out the stat leaders as well quickly. Jeremy Marshall King for the Dogs with 44 tackles. David Klemmer, he's been enormous for the Knights. In my opinion, he's been their best forward throughout this season, working really hard as he did again here. Ran for 202 metres against his former club in the Dogs. So David Klemmer, certainly a major part of why the Knights got the win here. And Mitch Barnett back in the side. Seven tackle breaks for Mitch Barnett. So, look, he proved a massive difference in a game like that, where it sounds like highly forgettable. Seven tackle breaks definitely sways your team into the favoured position. So Mitch Barnett, very, very quality return. He's obviously a very important, important part of the Knights puzzle and look hopefully he's going to be an important part of the Warriors puzzle from next season onwards but yeah clearly a major boost to have Mitch Barnett back for the Knights. Speaking of the Knights, Kellen Ponga three errors so look JJ said he actually thought Ponga went all right he was probably the best of a bad bunch and he was trying to create opportunities uh, but three errors for Ponga not very magical uh, Knights in general not very magical sounds like this game uh, I guess it's like, you know, you go to a magic show and the, you get up on stage as a volunteer and the magician's like, reach into this hat and you reach in the hat thinking maybe it's going to be a rabbit and it's literally like dog shit or something and you just pull it out and you got dog shit all over your hands. That sounds, with all respect, like that was pretty disrespectful, but that is kind of the lightest way I can put this, you know, in terms of the magic. I mean, the magic is that you end up just having to wash the shit off your hands. I mean, there's still... Bits and pieces of magic, but yeah, that's basically what it sounds like this game was. Now, for the Knights, they're backing Adam O'Brien as their long-term coach. I think that's the right move. He seems to be a quality coach, and there's such a tendency to get want to get rid of coaches and just be like, fire this coach, and the media, they are vultures. For some reason, they really, really just, they like the easy drama and being able to, like, yeah, drive that narrative. It's all about the narratives and storylines. Negativity seems to sell papers. It seems like the easiest way to just shun, you know, responsibility for bad results onto one person or one position. So Adam O'Brien, I like that the Knights have backed him. For the Bulldogs, well, it's funny we talk about this because the Dogs supposedly have announced that they are going to hold an emergency crisis meeting on Monday to determine the future of Trent Barrett. So 
Looks like their patience is wearing thin. My patience is wearing thin with always seeing these fucking stories. Like, it takes time. It's the Bulldogs. They've been shit. And yeah, they're not showing a whole heap of improvement. But like, it takes time. Who else are you going to get in? Who are they going to sign? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe like a Shane Flanagan or something like that. But yeah, emergency crisis meeting. So by the time the NRL preview podcast comes out, we may have a new Canterbury Bulldogs coach. So, look, I think all this pressure on coaches is unwarranted. I think probably now is the time where it does start to really intensify on Trent Barrett. But Phil Gould is a huge Trent Barrett fan. I would be very surprised if they sacked Trent Barrett here. But now, definitely, there are causes for concern. So we have our first kind of potential cause for concern club. Uh, it may not actually end up going to the dogs, but definitely some very concerning signs for a club that had a lot of marquee signings going into this year and a lot of intriguing talking points. Well, now the intriguing talking point is, are they going to have back-to-back wooden spoons? Look, I, as I've said, I think you need to give Trent Barrett time. Why fire him? Like, unless you have a clear plan of who you're going to get in next, then I don't think it makes much sense to fire him. Looking back at some stats as well for the Bulldogs, four missed tackles for Tavita Pangai Jr., four tackles missed by Luke Thompson, so their forwards really not helping to secure the win in that. In fact, it's a big reason as to why they lost. They have Josh Jackson, the captain, who's an absolute workhorse, bust his ass, doesn't make many errors, if any, doesn't miss any tackles, but he's been let down because the other forwards around him are not firing I must give it to Davida Pangai. He has been one of the dog's best this year, but this was one of his poorest games of the season. One thing JJ said earlier, though, was let's not forget that the Bulldogs beat the Roosters literally like two weeks ago. Uh, the only thing with that is that, of course, Phil Gould, the optics is that Phil Gould was coaching that week. And so I'm sure like people have that perception where it's like, oh, well, the one big win they had, Trent Barrett wasn't involved. So really interesting times ahead as far as Trent Barrett is concerned. For the Dogs, there were far too many errors and missed tackles. Totally unacceptable, but look, I think he deserves at least another couple of games to try and get a lift out of this squad, especially considering they are playing the Tigers up next at Leichhardt. That is definitely a winnable game, and I think you need to just see how they go on that occasion. Give them the chance to respond and to lift for their coach, because I think it's just not the right timing to fire Trent Barrett, but... Who knows? I guess we will see on Monday. And for the Knights, they are going to be hosting the red-hot Brisbane Broncos. That should be a very good game. Maybe not by the Knights' standards, by what I've heard about this Knights vs. Dogs game, but Brisbane Broncos in scintillating form at the moment. So, look, that should be a game to keep an eye on. But now it is time to move on to the Friday Night Clash, one that was at least better to watch. Some more tries, some more magic. And that was the Brisbane Broncos throttling the Manly Seagulls 38-0. That is right, 38-0. The Brisbane Broncos looks like they're starting to get rid of those scars from the last couple of years. And for the Manly Seagulls, well, it seems like some new scars are starting to form. Now, this was an absolutely wild game. I remember I said during the season preview, or the weekly preview, sorry, that if the Brisbane Broncos won here, then... It was time to believe in the Broncos, similar to what I said about the Cowboys going into their game against the Eels. So Broncos and Cowboys, two of the absolute surprise packets of this season. 
Broncos four straight wins and against very high quality opposition as well. You could say that the Broncos not only back in a big way, but they're not really flat track bullies, are they? The teams that they are beating very much top eight world worthy and top eight level sides. Whilst Manly Seagulls, well, it's been confirmed. They are flat track bullies getting absolutely trounced here by the Broncos who are still just trying to establish themselves as a top eight side. But Manly Seagulls still yet to beat a top eight side in 2022. Now I think it is an issue. It wasn't something that I was paying much attention to, but this was the crucial game and they failed the test in monumental circumstances. They were absolutely torn up by Adam Reynolds who pulled out a bit of Alfie Langer-like magic. It was unbelievable. The chip, the chase and the regather to score the try. It showed absolute shades of prime Alfie Langer, prime Brisbane Broncos and Look, it got the fans very excited. That's why Adam Reynolds is the marquee man. And you want to talk about magic round? Well, this has been a very magical signing for Brisbane. In terms of magic as well, you've got the young Brisbane winger, potentially future fullback as well, Selwyn Cobbo, scoring a hat-trick. He was on fire, absolutely killed it. Now, his name's right in the mix for a state of origin spot for Queensland on the wing. Another winger who you could definitely mention as well is Corey Oates. Uh, maybe Selwyn Cobbo and Corey Oates play on the wing for Queensland this year. I think Xavier Coates would be ahead of Selwyn Cobbo, but Coates, he's had hamstring issues and, and the likes. So, yeah, we could definitely end up seeing Selwyn Cobbo make his Queensland debut. He certainly was playing like an elite star on Friday night. Corey Oates as well, definitely putting his name in the frame for selection and someone who it seems like he's destined to make his origin debut is Skatoni Staggs, who seems like he's going to fill that vacancy left by Latrell Mitchell in the Blues side. And Katoni Staggs, at the moment, the favorite to line up in the centers for the Blues. So Broncos seemingly firing on all cylinders at the moment, which has not been the case for Manly. They had Tom Trebojevic, who clearly does not look 100%, was playing well below his best. And Turbo wasn't able to commit himself fully into the contact. He seemed to grimace every time he came out of a tackle. So yeah, is it worth playing him not at 100% at this stage of the season? I'm really not sure. So a few question marks around the Seagulls. And speaking of the Trebojevic brothers, well, Ben Trebojevic is seemingly out with an AC joint injury as well. So maybe we see Morgan Harper return to the side next round. And look for the Broncos... Kevin Walters, Ben Eichen, Steve Walters, Alfie Langer. The staff they've got there and the team that they've set up, they all know the DNA of the Broncos and they are all making it work excellently. Kevin Walters has done a fantastic job as coach. And look, you can clearly see that he and the likes of Alfie Langer and Steve Walters have clearly been able to imprint the Broncos style onto Adam Reynolds. And Adam Reynolds is the perfect player. He's so elite in his own right. So he just seems like the perfect fit to be the Broncos number seven. And Adam said himself he could not be happier up in Brisbane. So the move just seems to be a win-win for all parties, except for the Rabbitohs. But we're not getting to the Rabbitohs at the moment. We're going to get into the stats. 53 tackles made by Lachlan Croker with 10 missed tackles as well. So clearly they were targeting that middle and... As is the case every week, Lachlan Croker having to get through a ton of defensive work. Uh, but yeah, he missed more tackles than anyone. 
in the game and he made more tackles than anyone. So it's hard to know whether to fault him or whether to congratulate him. Uh, looking at the run meters, as I said, Corey Oates rocketing back into contention, which is a shock considering where he was at coming into this year. But Corey Oates, 262 run meters, as well as three line breaks and two tries, really stepping up and putting what was an origin player level performance out there. For Adam Reynolds, he was the marquee man showing off his magic, scoring that awesome Langer-like try, and also setting up two tries. So Adam Reynolds, he is the man. And yeah, Brisbane Broncos, absolutely time to believe in what this side can do. They outclassed the Seagulls wingers all night. The defensive game plan from Des seemed to just always have the wingers like really infield. And every time they just kept going to the wings, like Corey Oates, two tries, Selwyn Cobo, three tries. So five tries to those wingers. They exploited it perfectly. They made Ruben Garrick have one of the worst games he's had in a long time and highly, highly impressive last month of football for the Brisbane Broncos. Great game plan going into this one. And look, seven tackle breaks for Billy Walters. I didn't see that one coming, but Billy Walters was electric. Any criticism of being played by his father, the coach, Kevin Walters, I think we can now dismiss that and say Billy Walters fully deserving of being a part of this Brisbane Broncos setup. His form has coincided as well with the Broncos form and everyone gelling and things just going down. So clearly Kevin Walters, he knew like it's a gamble signing your own son. If they're shit, you low-key are just like, hey, why don't you go to like the Dolphins? That's a new club. So obviously he has full faith in his son getting the job done and Billy has been getting the job done. Seven tackle breaks, that's one of those kind of unheralded stats that people aren't looking too much at, but it's Billy Walters, I mean, he's he's a Walters, so he's one of the Kevies and the Steves and fucking, oh God, I, I can't even, you know, how many are there? Probably like three, I don't know, kind of shit the bed for this part, but yeah, Billy Walters living up to his legendary surname. For Manly, their back's really, really shocking. Nine errors from their back line. Uh, and yeah, just they were outclassed totally by Brisbane's game plan. And Des Hesler's game plan, the way it was executed by Manly was really poor. And it was totally exploited. Like 38-0 is a total demolition job. So Brisbane Broncos, unreal. And look, a lot of those errors made by Ruben Garrick, who, as I mentioned, he was just totally outclassed by the game plan of the Broncos. Three errors from Ruben Garrick. Does make me wonder, are the Manly Seagulls in trouble? I can definitely see them missing the eight. They have got a young team and some very talented players as well. But uh, look, now if they can't beat top eight sides, then in my opinion, they're not going to make the top eight. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I think the main thing that's hurt them in the last few years has been the loss of Manasi Finu. Who, he was supposed to be the long-term hooker, has had a court case, stabbed someone allegedly at like a church or something. I don't know, is that something people do at church? But I don't know the details. I have no idea really what went on. And so, yeah, let the courts do their fucking thing, even though they don't usually do their thing. Not This is not the podcast for it. But Manasi Fainu, look, that has been the biggest, most crucial point for the Seagulls because they've been playing Lachlan Croker at Dummy Half for a couple of years now. And they have other options, but yeah, Manasi Finu, I think the sooner the Seagulls can hopefully get him back, 
the better because they could really do with a player like him at the moment and his creativity in the ruck. And look, looking at what's next, we've got the Broncos up against the Knights in Newcastle. That is a very winnable game for the Broncos, who will be looking to go for five straight wins. Didn't see much of that in the Anthony Seabold era, that is for sure. And for the Seagulls, after getting absolutely rinsed, they are going to have to back up against another top eight side, arguably a top four contender in the Parramatta Eels. And now I have serious question marks over the Manly side and whether they can hang with the Eels. Although we do know Parramatta are prone this is the kind of game Parramatta will lose, like no top eight side losing to Manly. Parramatta kind of makes sense as that top eight side to lose to Manly, but I will jump into that during the week throughout the round 11 preview. But next up, it is the Super Saturday game where the Rabbitohs only just fended off a Warriors fight back. Uh, doesn't mean I was that impressed with what the Warriors did. And the Rabbitohs basically won it all in the first half an hour of the game. 32 to 30 in the end, though. You could be forgiven for thinking it was a very close game uh, just by looking at the scoreline, but it was not. It was not. The Rabbitohs basically did all their work in the first half of the game. And my takeaway from this entire contest was that the side I support, the Warriors, as much as I want them to be, they are not top eight material this year. It's not all doom and gloom. I'm a supporter. I'll continue cheering them on. But like, I've seen enough to say, yeah, we're not making the top eight this year. We're not playing like a top eight side. And in fact, I'm surprised that we were sitting as high as 10th entering this round. So yeah, Warriors now, I know I predicted them to finish in the eight through bias and getting pumped up, but now I'm pretty much prepared to say I highly doubt it's going to happen. You're probably sitting, unless you're a Warriors fan, even if you are a Warriors fan, you're probably sitting there being like, yeah, duh. But yeah, now I'm like, yep, definitely not top eight material. Rabbitohs, still definitely finals material. We had some Captain Cody Walker brilliance, three try assists in the first half, and he was just tearing the Warriors apart. Looked quite similar to how he was playing last year when he just had a crazy amount of try assists. And yeah, he just made the Warriors look very, very pedestrian and just average, which I guess that is how we've been playing. But exploited fully by the captain, Cody Walker, stepping in in the absence of Cameron Murray. Tane Milne is well on the wing for the Rabbitohs. He is well and truly earning his spot, scoring a double after scoring a couple of tries last week as well. Tane Milne, look, there are a few guys fighting for positions. Josh Mansour, Jackson Paulo, but I think Tane Milne's in the best form of the lot. Career best form as well. It's taken him this time. Uh, fucking can't speak English. It's taken him, taken him some time to develop, starting off at the Roosters, moving to the Dragons, spent time at the Warriors even before he moved to the Rabbitohs. But now I'm finally seeing why Tane Milne did have big raps on him. He's starting to live up to his early prospects. And now he's a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and he is playing really, really well. So Tane Milne, I think he is earning his spot in the Rabbitohs' best 17. And speaking of a young star in their backline, Jackson Polo and what his future is, I'm really interested. I've heard that the Bulldogs are chasing Jackson Polo or Paolo. I'm not sure how he'd like it to be pronounced, but I've seen the Bulldogs are chasing him, whilst the Dolphins, they're my tip. I think he's going to go to the Dolphins' Uh, that just seems like the logical choice, given that he has the established connection with Wayne Bennett, who had already looked to bring him over 
when he was in the Burley Bears system, I believe. Like, I think he was in the Titans system. And then they brought him over to the Rabbitohs under Wayne Bennett. So I think Bennett is going to look to bring Paulo over to the Dolphins, but that's just my tip with no inside information whatsoever. Purely speculative. Uh, going back to the first half as well, Rabideau scoring five first half tries. And yeah, to be honest, at that stage, I was thinking like, fuck, hopefully we don't get 70 put on us. But they they managed to get back in the game, the Warriors. So I guess that's good. But yeah, after the first half, like, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, it was kind of good. But also, maybe next time don't lose the game by halftime. That's, and I'm a true blue supporter. I'm like not bagging any individuals here, am I? I'm just saying like, yeah, it's just like very mediocre and there's heaps of pressure on them and they're trying their best. So I'm not going to be too critical, but yeah, like just definitely not a top eight side that, and that is where they want to be. So look, they made the late comeback, but they gave themselves way too much to do in the end. Sean Johnson, he's kicked a couple of winning field goals this season and he's been okay as a game manager, but his form starting to come under the microscope at the moment, which I guess it always has at the Warriors as well. But yeah, he's not not in exactly the best form, but I'm going to be backing him in, Sean Johnson, to maybe he's not at full fitness. I'm not exactly sure. The Warriors as a cohesive unit aren't playing that well in general as well. So Sean Johnson, hopefully he can lift. We now have Torhu Harris back in the side. Uh, it would have been helpful if we had Ewan Aitken, Guys like Chanel Harris-Tavita, Josh Curran, none of them playing, but good to see Torhu Harris back. And young Jack Murchie, who signed a couple of years from the Raiders, or uh, signed a couple of years ago from the Raiders, my goodness. Uh, And it's taken him some time to develop, hasn't always been in the 17, but Jack Murchie is playing really well. Kind of reminds me of Josh Curran and how he wasn't like looking like this super outstanding prospect, but he was a junior New South Wales representative. And then once he started to develop, we saw just how good Josh Curran is. This could definitely be the case for Jack Murchie, who's also a junior New South Wales Blue. And yeah, I'm really liking what I'm starting to see from Jack Murchie. Had been prone to dropping balls and things like that in the past, but it seems like he's really worked on his game. And yeah, very happy with the improvement I am seeing in Jack Murchie. For the Rabbitohs, a win is a win. I think you just celebrate getting the two competition points. And for the Warriors, it's very clearly just a year to get some development under our belt. There is no way in hell that we are a legit threat. I was really hoping we could at least be a top eight threat. But now at the moment, yeah, I would be shocked if we play finals. Don't be surprised if we go on some kind of run during Origin and then just fall off totally toward the end of the season. But trying to be optimistic and keep the faith, but yeah... Warriors just not a legit threat at all at this stage. Checking out the stats in this game, two players scoring a double, Tane Milne crossing for two tries, and for the Warriors, Marcelo Montoya on that left wing, making his return to the side with two tries. Seems to be our best option on the wing at the moment. Uh, And look, Marcelo Montoya, hopefully he can continue to develop and become a solid player, which I guess his contributions have been pretty good in a team like the Warriors, where I just think our outside backs, the depth is really thin at the moment. Reese Walsh, he was highly involved in a lot of the playmaking as well. Look, I don't know whether we see him eventually move to the halves. I don't even know if his long-term future is with the Warriors, but I know that he's here for this year and for next year as well. So Reese Walsh, a pivotal part 
of our playmaking. He was the one that was giving the creativity and spark when we badly needed it. In terms of tackles, Jack Murchie, as I mentioned, very rapidly improving. 45 tackles from Jack Murchie, really, really involved defensively. And for the Rabbitohs, Tevita Totola was outstanding, running for 200 metres. Warriors just could not stop him. He was consistently breaking tackles, and he was a big part. I mentioned in my weekly preview that I thought the battle was going to be in the middle forwards. I pinpointed Matt Lodge and Adam Fanua Blake as reasons why I thought the Warriors could win. But the best middle forward of the entire game was Tevita Totola. He was a major part of why his side got the job done. And if you listened to the weekly preview, you would have heard my point of difference as well. That was Alex Johnston. Well, Alex Johnston was a perfect point of difference in this game. Three line breaks, seven tackle breaks, and a try as well. So talk about a point of difference in a two-point game in the end there. AJ most definitely fits the bill. Cody Walker with three first-half try assists. He was just absolutely on fire. He was the Rabbitohs' magic man. So look, he definitely came up with the magic, and I think the captaincy really lifted his game to that next level. Going back to Reese Walsh, look, he did some brilliant things on the ball, but also four errors and three missed tackles. I know the weather had something to do with the errors as well, but yeah, that definitely let us down in what ended up being a really close game. And we saw Freddie Lusick, the young former Roosters hooker, make his official club debut for the Warriors. He was decent, like he didn't have much time to prepare for it. Missed a few tackles, but got through his work. And look, credit to Freddie Lusick, came to see what he can do for the rest of this year. And the owner for the Warriors, Mark Robinson, has come out. He's backed the team. He says we're improving and we're going to get better next year. He believes Nathan Brown is the man for the job. I'm not exactly sold, but look, I'm willing to give Mark Robinson the benefit of the doubt at this stage and give Nathan Brown some time, which as I was talking about before, coaches in the NRL not given a whole lot of time to get things going. So I'm waiting and seeing what Nathan Brown can do, but his past track record at NRL level isn't exactly glowing. He looked all right when he was coaching the Dragons, but that that was quite some time ago now. So yeah, really interested to see whether Nathan Brown is the man to turn this club around. And whether the Rabbitohs are genuine premiership threats this year, that's another narrative I'm keen to see. Can the Rabbitohs make their way back to the grand final? Well, I will be very interested to see whether they can. In the first half, there were shades of the 2021 Rabbitohs, so I was really impressed and buoyed by that, but less so because it was against the Warriors. So I feel like at the moment the Bulldogs could probably come out and do that kind of shit. So... I'm withholding on saying the Rabbitohs are genuine title threats at the moment, but they'll definitely be thereabouts come finals. Uh, It's just about, yeah, how they develop as the season goes on. Combinations, injuries, suspensions, all of that's going to come into the mix. And next up, the Rabbitohs will be playing the Raiders in Dubbo, which should be a pretty good game. That one could definitely go either way. And speaking of a game that could go either way, Dragons taking on the Warriors... They played each other in round one. I remember it fondly coming out of a three or four day festival. And yeah, no serotonin left. I was relying on the Warriors to give me a boost. And then just as I started to feel good, yeah, the Warriors just brought me crashing straight back down to earth. I was like, what a wonderful weekend. And then it was like, no, it was a slap in the face. Like, welcome back to real life, motherfucker. Warriors still not hitting the mark. So I I remember that one fondly. 
not fondly, actually. I remember that one tragically. Uh, and yeah, they're going to be playing the Dragons again. And one little note I have is thinking about sides that have played each other twice this year. I believe Broncos beating the Rabbitohs both times. I believe they beat the Bulldogs both times. And the Raiders playing the Sharks twice already. The Raiders won. So early on, that little statistic of a side, if they've already got the win this season, being able to come out and do it again, that definitely leans me toward the Dragons in that one. But a close game, a winnable one for the Warriors, but it is time now to move on to the second game of Super Saturday. And that was the Gold Coast Titans getting a much-needed Golden Point win over to St. George Illawarra Dragons, who they were trying to push toward the top eight, and now this once again stalls their momentum. Titans getting it done 20-16 to with Jermaine Azarko scoring a try out on that right wing to get it done in Golden Point. So it was a remarkable game. Very, very close game as well. So, look, I, I actually picked the Titans. I think the changes worked for them. And overall, they seemed hungry to get the win. So, impressed with what the Titans could come up with there. Uh, but, yeah, it kind of once it went to Golden Point, it was like, all right, guys, let's remember Storm vs. Panthers up next. Don't take too long, you know? Don't take too long. But Titans getting some very, very crucial competition points. In my opinion, I think they need to sign a creative number nine. I do like Aaron Clark and Tana Boyd, but I think if the Gold Coast want to be premiership contenders, then they need to identify... <clears throat> excuse me, too many darts uh, before the podcast. They need to identify who their number nine is and someone with creativity because that is what is stopping the Titans from going up to that next level is a real creative number nine who asks the right questions at the right times. Now, some really good games for the Titans from their young stars. Jaden Campbell stepping up in a big way on return. And Toby Sexton, he was excellent, especially at the start of the game, really utilizing his kicking game and putting pressure on the Dragons. So I was happy with the signs from the Gold Coast young players. Definitely think that they're starting to build in the right direction. And speaking of young stars, we saw for the Dragons, Tyrell Sloan playing his game for the first time in round three. Jeez, I butchered that. Playing a game for the first time since round three, Tyrell Sloan lining up at fullback with Embi moving to hooker to cover for Andrew McCulloch. And I thought Sloan, he played quite well, so I'm interested to see what the Dragons use as their best 17 going forward. And for the Titans, can they make a run? Was this the catalyst they needed to get some form together? Right now, they are the third out of all three Queensland sides. They are the least impressive, but they seem to have the most potential to explode and be very impressive. So definitely got to wonder whether the Gold Coast Titans can make a run. And I don't think they'll be overly affected by Origin, although they will lose Tino Fasua Malawe and Mo Fodawaka uh, at the very least. So I think that will hurt them a little bit, but I think they can navigate the Origin period Season definitely still alive for the Gold Coast Titans, but major question marks over their defense. That's kind of been the theme of this season, and they defended well enough to get the win here in this game, but yeah, that is definitely still going forward. The Titans, if they want to make a proper run, they still have a lot to fix when it comes to their defense, but there were changes made by Justin Holbrook. He felt that the Titans' form wasn't good enough, so he made mass changes and it paid off. So credit to Justin Holbrook. He made the right changes to get some crucial points on the board for his side. Jumping onto the stats, Aaron Clark 
42 tackles from the Titans' dummy half. Very, very busy defensively. And Jaden Campbell, well, I'm going to speak a little bit about him at the end of the episode, most likely, when it comes to the rising star. But look, 266 run meters for Jaden Campbell, 13 tackle breaks. He was absolutely electrifying, and he's the Gold Coast Titans' number one, definitely long-term. It's going to take time for him to grow into his body and fully mature for his frame and to get some experience, but like, this kid looks very, very special, and... Judging by what we saw from Preston, well, if Jaden Campbell's even got 50% of those genes, then we are in for an absolutely magical NRL player. I listed in this uh, weekly preview Jaden Campbell as my magic man, and he was definitely magical in this game. Tino Fasua Malaawe as well, pretty magical in the forwards with two line breaks, working really hard and bending that Dragons defensive line backwards. Looking at some of the not-so-good stats... Jack Bird, six missed tackles coming off the back of 10 missed tackles last week. So yeah, Jack Bird, not good enough defensively. And Talatau Amone, the 5'8 for the Dragons with six missed tackles as well and two errors. But he's still young and he's still a very, very bright prospect. So Talatau Amone, I'm willing to forgive him. But maybe Coach Anthony Griffin, a little less inclined to forgive him, at least in the short term. But the other guy they'd been playing at 5'8 was Jack Bird, who also missed six tackles. So interesting to see how they're going to approach that situation. They've got someone like Moses Embai who can play 5'8 and Jaden Sullivan as well. So definitely competition for spots at the St. George Illawarra Dragons, who, as I mentioned before, will be playing the Warriors next round. Definitely a winnable game for the Dragons there. We've already seen that they can beat the Warriors. So that should be one to watch most definitely. Uh, and for the Titans, they are going to be hosting the Sharks on the Gold Coast. That is another game I cannot wait to tune in for. Sharks now coming off a loss. Not looking very impressive against the Raiders, which I'll get to shortly. And the Gold Coast Titans looking to get two consecutive wins on the board. So that is what is up for both clubs. Uh, gee whiz, just stumbled through that. Now what is up next is the third game on Super Saturday, no doubt the main event and the marquee of the entire Magic Round, and that was the first place Storm taking on the second place Penrith Panthers. Now, the hype for this game was unlike anything we've seen for a regular season game in quite some time, had a real finals-like atmosphere to it, the build was incredible, having it happen at Magic Round was great, unfortunately it was a bit of an understrength Storm outfit, so the game not quite as epic as all the build-up and everything surrounding it, but still, we learned a lot with the Penrith Panthers getting a statement victory, 32-6 to over the Storm, to move outright first on the ladder. Penrith Panthers, no doubt, the official benchmark, the team to beat in this competition now. We already kind of knew that, but the Storm had been in a rich vein, vein of form. Vein? Vein of form. Absolutely... Oh, C-wording. I won't need to drop the C-word at this stage, but they C-worded the flippin' Warriors. How's that for clean language? Um, and then they dominated the Knights, smashed the Dragons. So, like, they were properly romping teams, but then Penrith giving out a romping of their own to the Storm. Now, for Melbourne, no Ryan Pappenhausen, no Jerome Hughes, no Remus Smith. So... Look, they probably could have done with those players, but also 
You don't want to play them and then risk further aggravation to their injuries. For someone like Remus Smith, he was far too injured to play. Same with Pappenhausen, but Hughes more of a precaution with the son of Maddie coming in, Cooper Johns. Didn't have his best game, but I mean, Penrith Panthers in such hot form at the moment. Isaac Tago scoring two tries. Viliame Kikau scoring a try. Jerome Luai was on fire. He scored a try. And Stephen Crichton crossing the stripe as well. This was all with Ivan Cleary not there as coaching. Or as coach. Flippin' fuck. How's that? Okay. Ivan Cleary not in. Sorry, it's like 11pm now. Uh, I believe Cameron Seraldo coached the side. And the Panthers, their left edge dominant. Four tries on their left edge up against the Melbourne Storm's inexperienced right with names like Cooper Johns, Marion Seve, who I guess he's a little bit experienced, but not that experienced at NRL level. And look, the Panthers just taught them an absolute lesson. So now the favorites to win this season. Can the Panthers become back-to-back premiers? Absolutely. And was this game a 2022 grand final preview? Well, it very well may could have been. So, look, that is a big, big statement made from the Penrith Panthers. We know how good the Melbourne Storm are playing in Queensland. And, wow, Panthers definitely making a statement. Looking at the stats, Isaac Tago with a double. And he ran for 198 metres. So this rookie is causing some real problems for opposition defences. Jerome Luai, as I said, was absolutely ripping and tearing. Two try assists as well as a try for himself. Looking at the defensive side of things for the Storm, Harry Grant, look, he missed a few tackles, but he also made 50 of them. So Penrith Panthers working through that middle perfectly, putting a lot of pressure on one of the Storm's biggest X-Factor players in Harry Grant. And looking at the tackle breaks, very, very incredible from the Panthers' back three. 21 combined tackle breaks, seven apiece between Brian To'o, Taylor May, and Dylan Edwards. Glad I got that one out. Uh, had to cut and re-edit. I said Brian May, and I was like, oh, who the fuck is that? So between the back three for Penrith, 21 tackle breaks. That is a very telling stat. Dylan Edwards in Korea, best form. Brian To'o is playing Potentially the best football we've ever seen him play, at least definitely last year. And you'd have to say one of the best wingers, if not the best winger in the world. And then you have Taylor May, the best young emerging winger in the game. So very exciting times for Panthers fans. All of these kids, local juniors as well. So it shows you just how quality their junior base is. Looking at some of the errors, Cameron Munster, six missed tackles. And Harry Grant, 10 missed tackles. So is that an origin omen? There's definitely going to be some Panthers in that New South Wales Blues side. I'm thinking Isaiah Yo, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Brian Toto at the very least. Uh, so yeah, that could definitely be an omen where come origin time, look, two of Queensland's best players weren't able to step up and stop this Panthers juggernaut. So That could definitely be the case come origin time, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And look, the Storm making a late change, dropping Dean Eremia out of the side, Nick Meany moving from fullback to wing, and Tyron Wishart chosen as the one to replace Ryan Pappenhausen. Bit of a left field uh, decision in my opinion. He's more of a half slash dummy half. 
but he was chosen to play fullback. Unfortunately, that didn't really work out. Four handling errors at the back for Tyron Wishart playing out of position. And yeah, look, I'm sure he'll rebound. He's had some really great games young in his career, and he could still potentially be a future Rising Star nomination throughout the season. Very quality young player. Not his day, but the Panthers, look, they have a habit of making it. Not their opposition's day. Up next, the Storm are going to be taking on the Cowboys in Townsville. That is one of the games of the round. And if you ask me what another game of the round is, well, it is going to be the Panthers taking on the Roosters. Some really, really quality games. And look, Magic Round was full of amazing games. So they've backed it up with another quality round of fixtures next. And look, now the competition is well and truly heating up. So that was the marquee game. Panthers getting it done 32-6 to over the Storm. And now we move on to the first of three games on Sunday. A bit of a Sunday session, if you will, at Magic Round, where the Green Machine were in full effect, absolutely fizzing the Cronulla Sharks. In oh, I was going to say Shark Park, but it's in Suncorp, isn't it? Gee whiz. Uh, you'd think I haven't just watched eight games from Suncorp Stadium and done two podcasts about Magic Round in Brisbane, honestly. Anyway, forgive me. It is time to dig into the Suncorp Sunday session, game one, the green machine, getting it done over the Sharks, 30-10. to 10. Okay, one of the key things in this game that I thought was going to work a lot better, I tipped the Sharks. Braden Trindle moving to halfback with Nico Hines going to fullback. The Sharks' spine shuffle didn't really work with the Raiders now recording two straight wins with neither of their first choice halves. Jack Whiten out the last two rounds and Jamal Fogarty also has been out, hasn't played a game this season. Look, Raiders firing. Does Matt Frawley keep the number six? Probably not, but Matt Frawley definitely showing why he's an option in the halves. Raiders 30-10 to 10 winners. And Ricky Stewart getting the win over Craig Fitzgibbon, who he coached at the Roosters to a premiership. So Ricky is now 2-0 and over his former student, I believe former captain. I'm pretty sure, I don't know, maybe Freddie Fittler was the captain. Uh, look, taking my mind back to 2002, I can't even distinguish that this Suncorp is where Magic Round's being played for every game. So if you think I'm going to be tracking my mind, Back to 2002 to hit you with some factoids. Well, you, look, you're going to have to give me a week or two before we can delve back to 2002. Let's delve into 2022 and look, Zach Wolford. What a phenomenal debut. He was actually a Raiders junior, spent time in New South Wales Cup level, winning a premiership there with the Bulldogs, also played for the Newtown Jets. And yeah, Zach Wolford looked awesome. He was a Raiders junior and he was a real point of difference here with Ricky deciding to start him in dummy half. So look, Wolford wasn't actually signed with the Raiders at the start of this season, but a few rounds in after the Hodgson injury, 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 uh, look, the Raiders decided they needed to make a play. This has obviously been a weak point of theirs. And Zach Wolford, this is the best they have looked all year. Like it worked perfectly. Couldn't have asked for a better debut. And that is the son of Simon Wolford, former Canberra Raider himself. So, look, Zach Wolford played Holden Cup for the Canberra Raiders. I've seen him before, seen him play plenty. But, look, he stepped up and handled the NRL like a pro. Very happy with what I saw from Zach Wolford. And, look, I missed the first half because myself and JJ 
We're just finishing up watching the main event of the UFC fight night, which we were doing a podcast on, but we tuned in. I was like, wow, Raiders up 20 to nil. Very happy with that. But I did watch the uh, highlights, saw that Seb Chris scored the first try off a kickoff before Josh Papali'i crashed over shortly after that. Then an error from Sione Katoa led to a try to Corey Harawera Naira, who'd been named at the lock forward position, had a great game as well. So Raiders went up really early, and then Horsburgh got sinbinned, Chance Nicole Kluckstad got sinbinned, but Raiders, they had it done. They'd done enough in that first half, and it was a much-needed win for the Green Machine. Two in a row now, and they're starting to build some season momentum, and maybe... Just maybe their finals hope is still alive. Can the Canberra Raiders make a run? Well, Zach Wolford looks like a great inclusion. The side looked a lot better for having him in because as we remember, Sharks have been playing awesome this season. Raiders managing to beat them twice. So very impressed with the Raiders here. I'd have to say most probably the best game they've played this entire season. So hopefully they can keep that going. And yeah, it's an upward trajectory for this young Raiders side. Looking at the statistics, 44 tackles for Blake Braley. He was hugely involved on the defensive side for the Sharks. Looking at the meter makers, 176 meters for Ronaldo Militalo, as well as two line breaks and six tackle breaks. And 174 run meters from Hudson Young for the Raiders. He is a very tough young enforcer. And yeah, he's starting to step up, had some injury concerns throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, he's starting to really get things going, and I'm a huge fan of Hudson Young's. Zach Wolford, as I mentioned, a, an excellent debut, or an excellent debut. Two try assists on debut, and yeah, he showed some real magic. It was a magical debut, if you will, and this could prove to be a masterstroke selection from Ricky to bring Zach Wolford into the mix. It looks like his time spent plying his trade in New South Wales Cup and the likes, has really prepared him for NRL level, and hopefully he can keep these performances going on a consistent basis. He's going to need to, because next up the Raiders will be taking on the Rabbitohs, last year's runners-up, coming off a very tight finish up against the Warriors, whilst the Sharks are going to be playing the Titans on the Gold Coast. Sharks have shown a couple of lapses now. I'll be interested to see whether they go with Hines back to the halves, or whether they persist with him at fullback until Will Kennedy is back. And I think Jesse Ramian, he is still going to remain suspended for the next round. So they're still going to be without Ramian. They're still going to be without Kennedy. Titans coming off a very close win, but getting some positive momentum, albeit against the Dragon side, who seem like they're going to be a less quality opposition than a side like the Sharks. So that is definitely a game to look forward to. But there are two games left to complete and round out this magic round. So let's jump into them. And then, of course, as I said at the start, I'll jump into the little points at the end, the ladder, X-Factor player, rising star, the Tough Stuff Award, and, of course, the cause for concern. Always concerned every week. My doctors are like, stop being so concerned. I'm like, I can't. Every week there's a cause for concern. Genuine, genuine concern. And then they're like, come on, it can't be that doom and gloom. And then... You know, a couple of weeks ago, I just said to my doctor, here, check this out. And I'd showed them the Warriors vs. Storm highlights on YouTube. And they were like, man, this is bad for your health. You need to stop supporting this team. I actually had a great comment from my friend John T who said, 
Do you think that the amount of time the Warriors have spent in Redcliffe qualifies us to just jump ship and become day one Dolphin supporters? So yeah, potentially, who knows? I have spent some time in Queensland myself. Maybe a lot to think about after this magic round. But look, it's time now to jump into the penultimate game of the round. And it was definitely an intriguing one as the Roosters and the Eels did battle. And look, Roosters getting it done 31 to 24. As I said in my weekly preview, I thought that the Eels had a really tough assignment just given that they gave all of themselves to get the win against Penrith the week before. And that turned out to be exactly the case here. Parramatta valiant in defeat, but the Roosters probably just a little bit more ready to take on this contest given they were coming off a pretty easy performance up against the Titans. And look, Sydney are starting to click as well. Luke Carey and Sam Walker having their best game they've played together as a halves combination, really starting to gel. And both sides here are contenders to win the Premiership this season. Roosters have that little bit of an edge now, but look, let's not forget that the Eels are the only sides, or only side to have defeated the Penrith Panthers and one of only two sides to have defeated the Melbourne Storm. So it was just too much to ask of them to back up the Penrith win against the Roosters here, but very impressed by the Roosters. First try, Jared Waria Hargreaves. Man, he is just such a fucking leader and hero for the Sydney Roosters, and they've lost a lot of leadership and a lot of just long-time Roosters players like Jake Friend and Boyd Cordner. So to have JWH there is such a massive addition. Can't even speak English now, geez. Getting later. Uh, but yeah, he just leads from the front. I'm a huge fan of Jared's. And look, he only has a few years left in the game, I think. He definitely played very hard last year. Had to take on a lot of extra workload because of the injuries. So I think, you know, enjoy Jared while he's still in the game. One of the all-time props we've seen, at least in the modern era. And a multiple-time Premiership winner, so don't forget that. New Zealand international, Jared Waria Hargreaves. What a first try. Put on a bit of cheeky playmaking, a little bit of a dummy, and then crashed over himself to get the Roosters started. And when it came down to it, look, the Eels had a chance to get themselves in the, in the game. It was a very, very small chance. But Dylan Brown, he took the gamble going for a grubber kick to the left. It just bounced out over touch, so unfortunately... Eels weren't able to get themselves in it very late, but Roosters, very impressive. Moving on to the stats now, 45 tackles for both Nat Butcher and Reed Marnie, so they were very, very busy in defence. Isaiah Papali'i and Joseph Suwali both scoring two tries. So, look, on both sides of the field, there were some very, very quality contributors, as I think some rain and wind starts to pick up behind me. You could be forgiven for thinking I'm doing this outside, I guess, but I'm actually inside. Bit rainy, though. James Tedesco, 263 metres. When was the last time he ran for less than 250 metres? It's been a few weeks, so Tedesco still absolutely at the top of his game, scoring a try as well. And you want to talk about top, top of your game? You want to talk about stuttering during your sentences? Top of his game, Joey Manu. Eight tackle breaks. He was unstoppable in this game, causing the Eels all kinds of issues. And for the Eels, one of their heroes was Mitch Moses with two try assists. He was doing everything he could to get his side over the line, but it just was not to be on this occasion. 
Parramatta Eels, though, definitely still contenders. I think they're capable of winning this season. But is it their last chance? They've got a lot of losses, like Isaiah Papali'i and Reid Marnie from this next year onwards. And Mitch Moses potentially going to be out of this club in search of a million dollars. So I'm trying to collect my thoughts now that it's a bit later. But yeah, if Mitch Moses walks out the door, then this could be Parramatta's last genuine chance at having a crack at the fucking premiership. There we go. Just got that out there. Uh, But for the Roosters, they were my original pick to win the premiership this year. So I am hoping they click. I am hoping they gel to some extent. Like, I don't have much support for them, but I'm like, whatever. I'm happy to see them win. They're a classy outfit. But out of the three elite sides, they seem the least likely to win at this point. But now this win over the Eels definitely gives me some hope. Both sides, though, their premiership window is still most definitely open in season 2022. Next up, the Roosters. Well, we're going to get a perfect uh, test and insight into where the Roosters' premiership hopes are exactly at when they take on the Penrith Panthers. So, yeah, that one definitely going to be one of the games of the round. And Roosters, if they get it done there, well, that will be a huge statement of intent but I am expecting the Penrith Panthers to throw plenty at the Roosters, so definitely one to watch next weekend. And for the Eels, they'll be hosting the Manly Seagulls, who, look, I'm really not sure exactly where the Seagulls are at this season. They are yet to beat a top-eight side. You would have to believe that, look, the Eels, judging on everything we've seen in season 2022, the Eels should smash Manly, but it's not going to be that simple They are rivals, and I expect Manly to present the best version of themselves next weekend. So Eels and Manly will be a cracker as the rain starts to pour down. It's kind of like Magic Round. I guess now I know how they felt at Magic Round. But now let's jump into the final game of the round, and that was the Cowboys trouncing the Tigers. Put my money on the Tigers. Now I kind of know how it feels to be a Tigers supporter, just like... Fuck, at, that, at this point, if I was, like, a West Tigers supporter, I would start inquiring into, like, the greater Western Sydney Giants or, like, New South Wales Waratahs. I'd just be like, I need a sabbatical or something. And that's coming from a Warriors fan. Like, I should realistically be tapping a bit more into my Auckland Blues roots. Uh, but, yeah, whatever. You know, shit teams exist, unfortunately, and we seem to support him, us Warriors fans and Tigers fans. But... Yeah, I guess the idea is that you're not shit forever. And there are some good moments. I would love to see a Warriors Premiership before I die. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen. I genuinely don't. And maybe it's... I guess that's how Tigers fans feel. It doesn't look like they're going to get a Premiership. And it's also like, how long's my lifetime going to be? I could fall off a cliff. I don't know. You know, supporting Warriors, honestly, just as a little side tangent, it's probably taken about five years accumulatively off my lifespan uh so yeah that's a little dark dark moment of supporting the warriors and it gets dark supporting these teams like the tigers absolutely smashed by the cowboys and todd payton a former tiger former tigers assistant coach as well an under 20s coach well he looks like he's going to be the coach of the year if it was voted at this point of the season right now well todd payton would be crowned coach of the year still sitting in third place with the Cowboys after Magic Round. Like, they are the real deal this year, and it is time to well and truly believe in the North Queensland Cowboys. Looking at a potential origin bolter, 
Murray Taolangi. I've been very, very impressed with how he's played on the wing. I think he could be a sneaky chance to line up on the left wing for the Queensland Maroons. And he has been in career best form this year for the Cowboys. Speaking of career best form, the halves partnership, Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden combining for four try assists in this game. And they were just far too good. The Tigers didn't have any answers. And yeah, I was, I mean, this season I have just been blown away by Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden. Townsend could be one of the signings of the season, especially given the way that he has unlocked the game of a very talented young star in Tom Dearden. Okay, I apologize as well. It's getting a little bit late. This is going to be the second last podcast I have to do in this house. And then after that, it'll just be a lot easier to record. I won't have to be doing it at strange times. So I apologize for some of the tangents, saying some ridiculous shit about the Tigers and Warriors and some silly little English mistakes. Whoops-a-daisy. We, I'm actually French, so don't worry about it. But look, let me finish up on this last game and then... Yeah, you're going to work really hard to get the best possible preview out on Tuesday, so watch this space. But for the Cowboys, are they dark horses for the 2022 Premiers? Potentially. Potentially, the sides just don't... Like, I know the sides are all going to take them seriously, but, like, maybe the Cowboys, there's just that perception that they can't get it done when it comes to finals time. And if anyone underrates them, well, I think they've shown that they can definitely hang in there with some of the best teams. So Cowboys definitely interested to see what the rest of the season holds for them. For the Tigers, we saw the debut of young rugby union standout Junior Tupo. He was really good, I thought, scored a try. And he also had six tackle breaks. So I think he'll be retained in the Tigers squad. Their outside backs a little bit thin in terms of depth. So though, lisping now. Gee whiz. This is, yeah, this is what I was just talking about. Before Even lisping now, that's a new one. Uh, But Junior Tupo, I think he'll hold his spot. And yeah, he could be definitely one to watch going forward for the Tigers. A potential future Rising Star nomination. Yeah, maybe unlucky not to get nominated in this round, but I'll jump to my nomination in a moment. I think he is more than deserving. Speaking of more than deserving, is Ruben Cotter in the frame for a Queensland Origin jersey? Well, potentially. Scored an awesome individual try. Just was so busy throughout the entire game. And plays well above his weight in the prop forward position. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Ruben Cotter. I think a lot of people are at the moment. And he has been one of the breakout stars of the 2022 season. Looking at some of the stats, and we'll start with Ruben Cotter, who ran for 169 metres. Whilst the Cowboys hooker, Reese Robson, very quality in attack and also quality in defence with 48 tackles. Murray Taolungi with two tries, two line breaks. As I said, he is in career best form, absolutely owning that Cowboys left wing position and keeping Hamiso Tabuai Fido on the bench. Like he's playing so well that the coach can't find a spot for the hammer in the best 13. Very much a lot of rain now, I'm sure you can hear. Captain Tyrone Peachy, four missed tackles. Not the kind of leadership the Tigers were after when they signed him this year. And look, up next, Tigers and Dogs. We don't even know if Trent Barrett is going to be coaching the Dogs and what kind of effects Monday and this crisis meeting could have on the clash between the Tigers and the Dogs, who the Tigers themselves 
they were like they know what a crisis meeting is Michael Maguire and the Tigers have been through crisis meetings themselves so yeah I guess this one is going to be the crisis cup and the Cowboys they are going to be hosting the storm that is like the opposite of crisis cup that is the ultimate test for the North Queensland Cowboys against a storm side who I guess now is the time you kind of want to play them they've just had their run dulled where they were absolutely smashing teams Got a couple of guys out injured, so look, Cowboys, that is going to be a great game for them to see where they're at. But that has been all eight games of the Power Hour podcast. So now, just quickly to wrap it up, uh, look, I see we've just gone over an hour by a little bit, so why not make this one quick? Start with the X Factor player of the round, and that is Adam Reynolds. Look, I was just so hugely impressed. He was the X Factor player of the round last round as well in round nine could be a sneaky chance potentially at a Delian medal if he can keep himself fit but yeah Brisbane Broncos just look significantly better with Adam Reynolds as the captain showing shades shades of Elfie Langer as well look Adam Reynolds with the complete game it was magic round who showed up and showed me some magic well it was Adam Reynolds so he is my x-factor player of the round Brisbane Broncos I mean the change from the last couple of seasons to where they're at now is major. So Adam Reynolds, once again, for consecutive back-to-back weeks, my X-Factor player of the round. And Magic Round too. all the players, all the teams in one place. And it was Adam Reynolds who managed to make the biggest impression on me. So he was my best player of the round. Checking out now the Rising Star nomination. I've gone with Jaden Campbell. Spent a few weeks on the sidelines playing Queensland Cup. As soon as he was recalled, he showed exactly why the Titans have faith in him to be their long-term number one. And yeah, look, Preston, unbelievable. Jaden looks pretty incredible himself. So I think we're in for a special journey when it comes to the career of Jaden Campbell. And he is my rising star nomination. And if the Gold Coast Titans can make a run, well, he could very well be a Smokey to take out the whole thing. At the moment, Isaac Tago leading the race for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star. Guys like Taylor May, Selwyn Cobbo, right in the mix as well. But Jaden Campbell, he is now joining them. My Round 10 Magic Round nomination, Rising Star, Gold Coast Titans fullback, Jaden Campbell. As for the Tough Stuff Award, look, there are a few nights involved in when I was looking at picking this award. David Clemmer almost got it, but I've decided to go with Mitch Barnett, who was just such a major inclusion, really swayed them because the last couple of weeks, David Clemmer has been doing heaps of work, but no one's been helping him out. So look, Mitch Barnett this round, David Clemmer again doing heaps of work, but Mitch Barnett was a major point of difference. Seven tackle breaks, got through a lot of defensive work, just brought his aggression perfectly. And I know, look, his last game definitely wasn't the right kind of tough stuff we want to see. It wasn't tough at all what he did to Chris Smith. But we can't just, like, hold that over his head forever. So when I thought about, look, is Mitch Barnett, like, is there going to be some perception of, like, this guy's not tough, this guy's a grub? Well, at not just a sports report, I just call it fucking as I see it. And I thought it was very, very tough stuff from Mitch Barnett during Magic Round for the Knights in what sounded like a scrappy game. So I only saw bits and pieces of it, but what I've seen from Mitch Barnett, yeah, I think he's a very, very hardened quality footballer. And I'm excited to see him join the Warriors. I think he's exactly the kind of player 
that we need. And for the Knights, it turns out that he is hugely important to their 2022 season. So just quickly recapping the first three, X-Factor player of the round, Adam Reynolds, Rising Star nomination, Jaden Campbell, Tough Stuff Award to Mitch Barnett, and now the cause for concern, the Manly Seagulls. I am now officially concerned, and I held it off for a long time. I know that Des has the likes to fly under the radar, and I passed it off as they're just flying under the radar, but 38-0 isn't flying under the radar. It is like you're standing under the radar, and then 10 birds fly over the top and shit on your head. Like, they are not flying under the radar. I don't know what I even just said. Please disregard that. But I'm just, I'm so concerned about the Seagulls. It's making me talk all kinds of shit. Uh, and yeah, like seriously, they haven't been a top eight side. They could be in real trouble against the Eels next weekend. Tom Trebojevic not at 100%. And they're just, they're nowhere near what they were in 2021. So for the Manly Seagulls, definitely some obstacles. Still absolutely a chance that they could drop out and not play finals this year, given the improvements we're seeing in sides like the Broncos and the Cowboys. So yeah, going forward, I think the Manly Seagulls, I now officially have concerns. And going into the Parramatta Eels game, well, yeah, that is a crucial game for the Seagulls season. If they lose that game against Parra, then they could absolutely be facing an exit from the top eight this season. I know it sounds dire and it's a little bit, you know, half glass empty, but I'm truly concerned about the Seagulls now and I held it off for a long time. But literally I was like, okay, Broncos are technically a top eight side, but like, honestly, they have, the last couple of years they were contending for the spoon. So I figured I'm like, Seagulls, come on, this should be a gimme top eight game where you guys can at least lift for this. They lost 38-0. Now I'm truly worried. I don't think Seagulls are capable of winning the Premiership this year. If they can, look, if they make finals, any team is capable of winning, especially if they start to click and Tom Trebojevic hits top form. But Seagulls, they just, they're lacking and they're lacking a lot. So whilst they're not one of the worst teams in the competition, they are the team that I'm most concerned about, given that they should be Premiership contenders and right now, they are missing the mark. So Seagulls, the cause for concern. And now, right before I wrap this podcast up, it is time to check the official ladder after 10 rounds. Okay, let's start with the top four. Panthers now outright first. Storm outright second. Cowboys outright third. There's your top three. And the Roosters in fourth. So a lot of people had Roosters, Storm and Panthers in their top four this year. All three of those sides in the top four. Don't know how many people had the Cowboys in their top four after 10 rounds. Maybe one guy, the LED sunglasses guy from Townsville. But other than that, I don't think anyone really had them anywhere near where they are. So you can't give enough credit to the Cowboys. Sharks dropped down to fifth after they lost this round. Eels dropped to sixth, but they're still... Premiership contenders, in my opinion, but a lot of season to be played, and there are some emerging contenders like the Brisbane Broncos, who now sit in seventh position. Rabbitohs move up to eighth, breaking into the eight with their win over the Warriors. Seagulls, cause for concern, now sitting ninth. They are officially out of the eight. Going to be interesting to see who they're playing next week. I literally went through that uh, before, so now I got to rack my brain. 
This, these are the hard times of night. Give me like, oh, they're playing the fucking Eels. I've said that like 90 times. Uh, yeah, so now they're in ninth, and who's to say they're going to beat the Eels? I genuinely, if I had to pick right now, I'd say the Eels are going to win. So, genuine cause for concern for Manly. I know they're ninth place, but that isn't where they'd want to be sitting after this many rounds. The Canberra Raiders jumping up. We're sitting second to last just a couple of weeks ago. They are now in 10th spot, making a bit of a run. The Green Machine. Warriors drop down to 11th, and each week passes, and I just have less and less confidence that this is a top 8 side. Now I would be shocked. If I was sitting on a chair, I would fall off my chair if the Warriors made the 8th this year. Dragons are down in 12th position, not able to really get things going. With the Titans jumping up to 13th, Jumping up to 13th doesn't sound really right to say. Uh, but yeah, good on the Titans, getting a win on the board. Knights scraping themselves off the bottom. They are now 14th. With the Tigers, second to last. And the Dragons, not the Dragons, the Bulldogs, sorry, last. So Tigers, Bulldogs, last. They will be playing each other next round. If the Knights-Bulldogs game was anything to go by, then maybe I'm just not going to watch this Tigers-Bulldogs game. But... It should, it should be interesting. Tigers were actually my pick to win the Spoon this year. So maybe maybe I'm going to have to back the dogs in. But who knows what the go is with Trent Barrett, to be honest. So yeah, a lot of watch this space is. We will check back on the Trent Barrett situation during the weekly preview for round 11. And what's the go there? What's happened in this crisis meeting? But look, now it is time to wrap up. Myself and JJ are chilling here watching the APL. Uh, and now we're going to have a crisis meeting. So yeah, a crisis meeting has been called. I may or may not be fired from this podcast uh, due to lack of results. So we, we're going to see what happens. But crisis meeting has been called. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I know that I enjoyed Magic Round a hell of a lot. And I can't wait to come back for the Round 11 preview and to jump into all the action ahead of us. And look... So much footy to be played yet in this season, and I'm starting to get more hyped by the week. So that has been the Magic Round Power Hour. And until the season, well, fucking weekly preview, I'm just going to keep this in. Uh, you've heard of, if, look, if you've listened through to this point, I think you can handle that. But the weekly preview, not the season preview, don't, Homer Simpson mode, activated. Uh, look, there's going to be less of these kind of mess-ups during the weekly preview, it is going to be full 100 quality and it could be the best podcast yet or ever, potentially. Uh, look, low, anything's possible. Low likelihood, anything's possible. And why wouldn't you tune in if there was the possibility of it being the best podcast you've ever heard? So NRL round 11 preview, the most important round, some would say, in the competition round 11. That's what a lot of people historically have said. So how could it not be a great podcast? Can't wait for you to tune in and look until the weekly preview. Enjoy yourselves and have a great week.